0: Outdoors with your host Drew Kirby. Yeehaw! Okay, okay,
1: holy oh cow! I have your attention, please. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denny. Hey, I'm
0: Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Muncey. Ah, uh, this is Craig Moore. And you're listening to Wyoming Hookin' and Hunting Outdoors. My country, 95.5.
2: Welcome to season two of Wyoming, Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. I'm your host, Drew Kirby, and we have got a lot to cover this year. Uh, season two means a brand new year. And 2022 kicking off today, and ice fishing is a big topic of conversation because we kind of have had some cold weather recently, and ice is starting to form. We have some lakes and reservoirs that are iced up, but there's also been some issues, and we're going to talk safety with Game & Fish. Janet Millick and Matt Hahn will be on the program to talk about that. Also, we talked to Jay Fountain. Jay is a local hunter and fisherman that uh, had a recent uh, issue on the ice. We're going to get his story and uh, how to prevent bad things from happening. We'll talk to Brian Woodward of Rocky Mountain Discount Sports about your ice fishing gear and uh, how you can get it there at the store on CY Avenue. It's going to be a great show. Lock your radios here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Wyoming
0: hooking and hunting outdoors. Here we go. My Country 95.5. Wyoming, hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country
2: 95.5. As always, Game and Fish chatting it up with us and giving us information. And if you have any questions for Game and Fish, go to the My Country 95.5 mobile app, or uh, you can go right to the website and directly reach out to Game and Fish if it's something of urgency and you need to uh, get that figured out. But we have Matt Hahn in with us and Janet and. Uh, we're to that time of the year. It's after the first of the year and things are really starting to cool down and we're finally, hopefully getting, uh, into winter time. I mean, because being this half-assed winter that we've had so far, where it's warm, it gets cold, warm again, uh, kind of affects a lot with ice fishing. And, and this time of year, we should be out with uh, lots of ice.
3: Well, you know, um, the one big word that you forgot to mention, the four-letter word that we all know and love here in Wyoming is wind. And that is one of the things that I think people often don't recognize is such a key factor in ice formation and ice safety.
2: Now, how does how does that affect the, the ice?
3: You know, every year, Drew, we all start getting really excited as we see the the ice along the banks of a lot of our reservoirs and lakes start to form and, and we get like, oh, yay, ice fishing is almost here. And then you can go out the next day and it's completely gone. And wind is oftentimes the cause for that. We can still have really cool temperatures, but the winds will come along and completely break up the ice, um, you know, remove the ice from the edges and, and really affect ice formation. And not just when it's on the edge, but when the entire lake is frozen
2: what kind of ice is good ice? I mean because we get to that
4: point where
2: it's kind of iffy how can you tell if it's good ice?
4: um you know drew like usually kind of a good rule of thumb is if you're you have four inches of good clear ice that's considered safe to walk on um, I like light colored white ice that has a lot of air bubbles in it is is never as strong as the really dark, clear ice.
3: Which is completely counterintuitive to me, Matt. Like, that never makes sense to me. When it is clear, I have a difficult time walking on it. It, it does something where I, I feel like I'm going to fall through. But in fact, that is far safer ice than if it is cloudy and you can't see through it. It's all crunchy and it looks like looks like snow. So that is something that that I think is is definitely not at the top of mind of folks when they're out looking at the ice and, and checking to see if whether it's safe or not. So just keep that in mind.
2: If someone is going out for their first time of ice fishing and they're going out, they're checking the ice the ice looks good what are some some tips and safety measures that they should be taking before they really get into spending a lot of time out on the ice well
4: i think a big one is to never ice fish by yourself um you know if you were to hit a soft spot in the ice and fall through without a buddy there to to kind of help you get out it it could certainly be life-threatening um
3: You know, another thing that you always wanna do is make sure that although sometimes in Wyoming, uh, you don't have service, but that you have your cell phone, it's with you, it's fully charged, you're keeping it in a Ziploc pouch. So if something does happen, um, you do have the ability to get a hold of somebody keeping a spare pair of clothes in the vehicle is always smart because even if you do just fall into your knees or, or your hips kind of on the edge, sometimes you can get very cold very quickly. And so having dry clothes available is is always
2: smart. What are some other good ideas equipment wise? that you should always have with you when you're out on the ice? You know,
4: one of the things that we recommend people carry, uh, you can buy them commercially or you can home make them, but they're ice picks that you kind of got a rope you put around your neck when you put your jacket on. And so you've always, you know, you can't drop them. And and you've got them right there. If you were to fall through, you can use them to pull yourself out of the ice. If you can imagine, you know, trying to climb up on the slick ice when it's got water on it, it's going to be pretty tough without something to, to give you a little bit of traction on that, and then also a lot of a lot of companies make uh, ice fishing suits like coveralls or parkas that that do have flotation built into them. You know, if you didn't have one of those ice fishing suits, you could always wear a a life jacket under your under your parka, especially one of the real lightweight inflatable ones. But anything you can do to to basically maximize your ability to get out if if you were to fall through. Um, could certainly be life saving. Now, Janet, walking on the
2: ice isn't that easy. How do you do it?
3: One of the things that that I always have on is um, they're cleats that go on the bottom of your shoes, and and I took a, a really great digger not too long ago, a couple of years back, where I got to shatter my elbow in a parking lot, and so I even wear those things around town these days. Man, getting old is is definitely a challenge, but but ice um, anglers can easily have those those on their boots. That does allow you to to quickly um, walk across a lot of the the ice that can be really smooth and, and glass ice and, and can be safe because trust me, it's not fun to to land out there on your elbow and, and maybe not get back up for a while.
2: Throughout the, the Casper region, there are lots of areas that are good for ice fishing. Um, what are some that, that maybe aren't the best ideas to go uh, and, and get out on the ice? The river,
4: <laughs> you know, rivers have very unsafe ice because of the current under them. So. Um, Even in a slow, deep pool that looks like it has really good ice cover, just never go out on ice on the river. It's kind of asking for trouble.
3: The other thing, too, Drew, is, and I know that that we lose several ATVs, four-wheelers, snowmobilers, and yes, even pickup trucks or cars that people drive out onto the ice. It's just not safe, not safe. Never drive a vehicle onto the ice, regardless of the size or the thickness of the ice. It just, it um, is going to lead to to possibly having an accident.
2: I can't even imagine that someone that maybe thinks, ah, oh, maybe this isn't good enough for me to walk on. So I'm going to drive my car.
3: <laughs> exactly. and and you're you're spot on and one of the things that people don't realize is is there's still currents underneath the ice and a lot of those currents can be warmer currents that can lead to like just a small you know two foot by three foot area of the ice that's a little bit weaker. And so you you might not know that that's coming if you're cruising across the ice on an ATV.
2: Yeah. Oh, don't do that. That's just bad. That just sounds bad. It doesn't sound like fun at all. Matt Hahn, Jenna Millick, thank you so much. If you have any questions for Game and Fish you'd like answered, you can hit us up at the My Country 95.5 mobile app.
0: Listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors, My Country 95.5.
2: And we're moving along with Game & Fish today. And always, we like to have Game & Fish on here because if you have a question or if, you know, maybe there's some information that you're a little confused on, this is a great place for this to be discussed. One of the things I think that a lot of people uh, that come into the state have questions about is, when are you considered a resident of the state of Wyoming when it comes to buying your licenses. We have Janet Millick and Brian Olson from Wyoming Game and Fish, and this is kind of a subject, and it really is one of those confusing parts of Wyoming.
3: You're spot on, Drew. I mean, it it is one of those things that people move into the state and, you know, um, we are often a very transient state with with a lot of our folks kind of moving in and out. And so they don't realize that you do have to live here a full year to be considered a resident. Brian, do you have more to add to that?
5: Yeah, I think as, as long as you can prove when you became a resident of the state, uh, mailing address, you know, when you started working here, um, but you have to domicile in the state for one complete year before you become a resident. So. Just a reminder, if people you know have a lot of different um, questions on that, and the easiest way is to call us, we can actually um, talk to them about their circumstances because it seems like not everybody's exactly the same as when they moved here and does this is this the data I can use or not so if people have those questions, they can just call their local game and fish office, and we certainly will be'll be, help them out individually because it is a really important question that we get asked quite a bit
2: uh, one of the the situations i guess that i've come across recently was someone that lived in wyoming and has moved away but came back to hunt and Mm -hmm. they were a little confused about whether they could still use that residency license even though they were moved out of the state
5: it really depends on what they did in that other state um did they claim residencies there did they so a lot of states don't have as many days, some are 30, 60, 90 days you can come, become a resident for hunting and fishing licenses. So did they buy another hunting or fishing license in that state as a resident? That would uh, Then they wouldn't be able to claim residency right away in Wyoming. They'd have to start all over again. Um, did they vote there? You know, there's a lot of things that kind of those circumstances are so individual individ- for each individual. So I would just... You know, if those people have those questions that call us, we can go through those step by step and get the right answer for them.
3: There's enough of the questions around a lot of the residency, Drew, that we actually have an entire booklet that explains a lot of this. I think it's like six pages. And I think you can download that off our website. And if not, we certainly have it available here at the office. But but there are a lot of those situations that are exactly what you said. I was gone for 90 days. Now I'm back. Does this license? Does it still work? Um, and, and so there's a different answer for every single person.
5: And I think you also got to think about kids going out of state to college and stuff like that. There's a lot of those questions too, that we can help them answer for that kind of stuff too. So like, so folks are kind of in, you know, not knowing what their circumstances
2: are, just call your local Game and Fish office and we'd be glad to help them out. Awesome. Brian, thank you so much. Janet, thank you. If you have a question for Game and Fish, no matter what it's about, you can hit us up at the My Country 95.5 mobile app.
0: Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5.
2: Well, it's the very first show of 2022. Season two is beginning on Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. Brian from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. We uh, we are now pushed past the Christmas season, and now it's into the good time of the year, ice fishing.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's a kind of a fun time of year. It's a it, it, we've had. Uh, kind of a rough start to it all not a lot of uh, good quality ice but we've had some cold weather this last I don't know almost two weeks now and the ice fishing should be picking up across the country
2: you know it's it's really interesting we were just chatting a little bit ago as far as snowfall in the state of Wyoming we're on the lower scale we haven't really had much snow come through here
1: yeah you know we've had some good snow uh, south of us and uh, but even uh, the snowies haven't really had uh, a lot of snow and we really haven't seen much of anything around around here so really got to pray for some of that snowpack so we get some some water in these uh, reservoirs and creeks uh, coming into spring
2: now one of the benefits of it not snowing here is the birds are flying now it seems
1: yeah well it's been cold up north so we've had a good push of uh, some of those northern birds and we're just starting to see some of those birds starting to accumulate in this area so that's kind of nice to see but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it all, you know, it's, when, it's, when, it's, when it's nice and warm in Montana, we don't see a lot of that waterfowl get pushed down here early. Right.
2: So, luckily, it's starting to be wintertime in the first part of the year, which is crazy. But uh, as far as uh, waterfowl, you guys have uh, anything and everything you need, even if you're starting from scratch.
1: Yeah, you know, um it's a, it's a good time to start looking at shotguns. We've still got really good inventory there. Uh steel loads and, you know, the non-toxic stuff is still Kind of hit or miss each week, but uh, we did get a pretty good shipment of um, lead lead for uh, the upland stuff. So the bird farms are still running strong, and uh, that's always that's always a good time.
2: Now, and, and one of the great things that I've seen over the last month or two is the fact that some of the ammo is starting to come in. Like uh, the military grade, like 9mm, two two three five five six. Yeah,
1: handgun ammunition's actually been uh, pretty good for us anyways. I mean, uh, 9, three eighty, we actually saw some 30- 38 and some 357 in this last week or so um so it's nice that a guy can at least feel feel good about going out and doing some planking without not being able to replenish it so uh
2: we did mention the fact that we're looking for for good ice i know that there was some on pathfinder that was pretty good some of it was a little sketchy but uh if you're looking to spend some of that christmas money now would be a great time to come in and look at the selection of ice fishing
1: yeah, you know, there's a couple of derbies that are getting ready to start up. We've got uh, the Hog Derby at Pathfinder. And then, uh, of course, you've got the, uh, oh, I think they call it the Winter Carnival out at uh, Boysen Reservoir. And Boysen, you know, being fairly close and in, in that basin tends to get some really good ice uh, early. And so the, the fishing, you know, it's kind of been a traditional New Year's Eve kind of a camping weekend for us over there. Uh, go chase some of those perch and crappie and, of course, the walleyes. But, um, yeah, that ice over there should, should be really good here, uh, this next week. Or so, and, uh, that the Derby's coming up should be, should be good.
2: So if somebody's coming in and just looking to, uh, start ice fishing, uh, you guys have enough folks that work here that know what they're talking about that can get them set up pretty good with a good set.
1: Yeah. We've got a handful of guys that are pretty passionate about chasing those, uh, hard water, uh, critters. So, uh, yeah, if you, whether you, you know, getting ready to start with your first auger or some, some of your graphs, uh, some that kind of stuff we've we can definitely get you set up
2: and you can get all that that supplies here you guys have all kinds of uh seasonings and everything
1: oh yeah yep there's a lot of guys that you know especially chase those trout this time of year and there's some good brining brining kits and that kind of stuff for those trout and uh we've got definitely all your batter mixes and that kind of stuff for your walleye. all
2: right get over here check it out at rocky mountain discount sports cy avenue here in casper Baby, it's
0: Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on my country 95.5.
2: Thanks again for tuning in. And we have got a, a guest in here this morning that has had one of the most intense experiences of his life over the last couple of weeks. Jay Fountain from YO Hunters and Fishermen on Facebook. You can get over there and, and check that out. And Jay, this is an intense issue that happened while you were ice fishing not long ago
6: yeah i'd rather not experience it again that's for sure
2: so if you saw on uh, my country 95.5 mobile app there was a story about some folks that were out ice fishing and they had to be rescued well jay you happened just to be in that group and you were the one that did the rescuing
6: yeah i was just the one that had all the the stuff necessary to to do it
2: right place right time then yeah in a, I guess not right time, in odd times.
6: Yeah, in a, in a very odd time.
2: So let's preface this with you knew it was good ice, you checked the ice, then what happened? It got really weird. That morning
6: I had two guys that were gonna get up earlier than I was and go out there and check the ice, make sure it was good.
2: And where where were
6: you? Uh, Sweetwater Arm on Pathfinder Reservoir. Okay. And uh, they messaged me and they, they said it was good ice. So I said, okay, well I'm gonna stop and try to duck on a little bit before I head out there also had a couple friends from Rollins that came up and were going to do the same thing and sit there and fish with all of us. Mm-hmm. They even said the ice was still good. Five and a half to six inches of clear ice. I unloaded my kayak. Something told me to leave the oar in the back of the truck, so I left it. And normally, I don't. It stays with the kayak, you know. I get out there, and everything's fine. All the ice was still good. There was no, no bad spots. Um,
2: how long would you say they uh, the other guys had been there before you got there? About four hours. So they'd been there a they'd while in, with no problems.
6: Yeah, they got to watch the sunrise, all that. You know, it was very beautiful weather, uh, a little bit breezy, not not enough to make somebody uncomfortable.
2: So and and everybody was being responsible. They checked the ice. They made sure it was safe ice, and then you showed up, and you got your uh, tip-ups ready, and you, you were set to go.
6: Yeah, so I, I get there, and I I check on the people from Rollins. My buddy Steve and his son Garrett drive down to the other guys, uh, Dustin and Ron, go out checking ice where I wanted to fish, where I've been fishing the past three weekends. I haven't had any issues, nothing like that out there. I go out, and I set out my tip-ups. I walk back over to them. You know, sitting there talking, and I was like, well, I'm going to go sit in my truck, get some pictures and uh, stuff like that, watch my tip-ups.
2: From the get-go of the day, you waited a little bit to go out there, so you weren't already set up and everything. Then you left the oar in the back of your truck. You left the life jacket in your truck. Yeah. I mean, things were just... It was like you had this feeling, this, like your spidey senses.
6: Yeah, it was kind of weird, because uh, normally whenever I take the kayak out, I take the life jacket and the oar, That way it all stays
2: right, right together. So wild. So so you're you're back just getting things ready, you're about to go back out, and then weird things start happening.
6: So I start seeing the dust and it's getting real cloudy. So I started taking some shots of that. And then I look to my left a little more and see a great big snow cloud. And here comes a whole bunch of wind, here comes a whole bunch of blowing snow, and it got to the point where I couldn't even see my tip ups for a minute. The guys were set up about 80 yards in front of my truck to begin with i couldn't even see them in their ice hut i tried getting a couple pictures of that but it was way too windy and i was shaking around yeah it got calm for a minute i caught something out of the corner of my eye and it was a tumbleweed and it got stuck and while i was sitting there looking at it i watched the ice separate And in less than five minutes, I watched everybody start floating away.
2: Oh, my gosh. And So at at this point, you're on land just because you're not at your, your set yet. I jumped
6: out of my truck, and I started screaming at everybody, get off the ice, get off the ice, you know. And they finally heard me, and by the time that they got up and out of their ice hut, they were already way, way too far out.
2: At this point, I mean, you can't just walk out and get them. So what do you do at this point?
6: I look over to my left again, and I, I watch my buddy's son running down the the edge of the ice trying to get over to us, and he had no way to come back. So Steve decided that he was going to call for emergency services to come out and try to rescue these guys. Then it just, it I mean, it, like, hit me. Like, I went into, okay, we're, we're going to do this now.
2: Right, so survival mode just kicked in.
6: Yeah, it was, it, there was no plan. There was no thought to it. It just... I acted, you know, and I don't know why, I don't know how, I've never been put in that situation before so I, I started ripping everything out of my ice hut and I'm just frantically getting it all out of there, throwing it up on the bank, unloaded my hut out of the back of my truck, and then started grabbing everything that I knew would be able to be tied together the guy Hugh, my my friend Steve, his buddy Hugh, he asked me you, you think that's gonna float and i said i don't know i'm about to find out so i threw my life jacket on grabbed the oar threw it in the sled and finished tying off three extension cords three ratchet straps and a whole bunch of uh tossed out endless straps from work i had just enough to get to the edge of the ice wow on the other side yeah it was, it was uh it was pretty intense as soon as i shoved myself off into the lake I, I Honestly, I didn't know if it was going to float or not, but I right. knew that I'm not, I'm not going to just leave those guys out there by themselves.
2: So then you get out to the ice, and then what, do you, what happens at this point? I got to the edge of the ice, and it wasn't quite enough
6: with the way that the wind was blowing with those ratchet straps. It, it kept trying to sink the rope. So I got out on the ice, and I was sitting there holding the sled, and the first person that I wanted to get out of there was my buddy's son. At that point, he's wearing Carhartt, so I wanted him out of there first. He had lost his gloves, his hands were freezing, he could barely even feel his hands. So he's the first one that went back. then another guy, I don't know know this gentleman's name, and he'd come up in his truck, and he just happened to have another 50 feet of rope. So we had tied the rope on the other side. That way we could pull people from one side with a rope and then pull the sled back across the water. That way we weren't endangering anybody with no life jacket on, even if they had floatable bibs, if you go in, you still, you got a chance of hypothermia. So we just sat there, you know, back and forth like some kind of trolley on the ice, you know, just got everybody off and everybody turned out to be safe. We didn't lose any gear.
2: If you were to rate this between one and 10, how high on the scale is it?
6: Given the fact that I've never seen this happen before, for me personally, it was right around eight nine.
2: It's pretty safe to say that it's a good thing you were there that day with your spidey senses.
6: Yeah, it. Uh, I wanna. I wanna just say this. I, I appreciate everybody that was involved. Uh, it does not matter. If you were just standing there helping people get things out of the sled, thanks to everybody that was involved.
2: Awesome. Jay Fountain from Y.O. Hunters and Fishermen on Facebook. Check him out there. Now, Jay, you got some pretty big stuff coming up at the end of this month.
6: I'm sponsoring the uh, Boise Ice Derby again this year. It's a really fun event. That's on uh, the 21st, 2nd, and 23rd of this month. And then uh, on the 5th and 6th of February, I've got the Hog Derby coming up too. So which it's is out at Pathfinder.
2: It's your it's your busy time, and hopefully Pathfinder's uh, back to good eyes, right? Yeah,
6: yeah. hopefully the whole lake is. You know? <laughs>
2: yeah. Jay, appreciate it again. I know you caught some flack over this story from people that don't know, and uh, I, I do appreciate you coming on and telling us all about it. I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad everybody's safe. And next time you're in here, we're we're just going to talk about the fish you're catching.
6: Yeah, happier note would be an awesome one.
2: <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jay. Thank you. If you missed any of today's show, you can go check it out at the My Country 95.5 mobile app on demand or any of our shows. Of course, this being season two, that means we have 20 different episodes you can go get in on again at the My Country 95.5 mobile app. We'll talk at you next week.
0: It's Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5.